Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. How are we doing? How are we good? It's good to see you. Let me introduce myself. My name's Clay and uh, I serve on staff here at Celebration Church as our Midtown location pastor. And so it's been a little while since I've been at the arena and uh, my wife and I are now at Midtown and uh, serving there. So shout out to the Midtown crowd. Can we put our hands together for all of our campuses and locations who are joining in right now? Orange Park, hello. Julington Creek, Midtown, Amelia Islands. Good to see all of you guys tuning in. And of course, here we are at the arena. And uh, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up. We're gonna get to 1 Samuel chapter 30 in just a second. And uh, if you have been with us for maybe the last couple weeks. Uh, you know that we're in this series, as you can see behind me, called Mad World. And uh, Pastor Stovall has been preaching. Have you enjoyed the messages he's been bringing in this series? Man, it's been great. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard them, you can jump online, celebration.org, and you can check them out. Uh, but basically, we've just been talking about themes of, hey, you know, it's a mad world, crazy uh, times, last days, preparing ourselves, making sure we're ready. Uh, Jesus is coming back. Anyone excited about that? He's like, can he come today, please? So, um, but, uh, and so we've been talking about those themes. This is the last week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up this week. And obviously next week's Mother's Day. It's gonna be awesome. So if you have a mom, came from a mom, make sure you come bring her to church. So that should be all of us. And uh, so, but today I'm gonna close it up. And, uh, and, and, and here's what I wanna do. Um, I'll, I'll share this. You know, sometimes as, as a pastor, as a preacher, um, some, sometimes when you communicate, it's like, man, this is gonna be a preaching message. And it's like, you know that kind of going into it. Uh, this is gonna be a preachy kind of message. Sometimes it's like, this is more of a teaching kind of message for the congregation. But I feel like before I even jump in and share this word with you today, I feel like what is gonna happen today is I really feel like the Holy Spirit's gonna minister. Today is like a ministering moment. And so we're gonna talk about some things and um, it might, it might well up some, some past things, but I believe the Lord's gonna help us find healing, bring healing, and uh, be able to continue moving on into all that God's called us to do, amen? Awesome, 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. It'll be on the screen <coughs> to your left and to your right. And uh, I just wanna say right now, before I even start reading, how thankful I am for our pastors. Can you put your hands together for Pastor Stovall and Carrie? They're exceptional. Exceptional leaders, uh, empowering, and so I'm thankful for yet another opportunity to share God's word with you, and I love them so much. So here we are, and it says this, starting in verse one, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, three days later, when David, talking about King David, he's not yet king, but the same guy. Uh, when David and his men arrived at their hometown in, in Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Ziklag, that they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground that they had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David, saw, uh, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. And David's two wives were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all the men were very bitter <coughs> about losing their sons and their daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord as God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything. Someone say everything. You'll recover everything 
that was taken from you. Now skip down to verse 16, if you would. So he led David to them and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder that they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. And David and his men rushed in among them, slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. Verse 18, David got back everything just like God said he would, right? Come on, this is why we read the promises of God, because if God says it, he does it, right? I don't know about you, this isn't even in my notes. I don't know about you, in, in, in my life, there have been some things that I have said, but I didn't do what I said, right? It's like the moment came and I'm like, well, I changed my mind, so. But, but if God says it, God does it, right? And so David got back everything that the Amalekites had taken and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. This plunder belongs to David. If you're uh, taking notes, which uh, if you're new to Celebration, we are an awesome note-taking church. And we love taking notes because here's the thing, when you, when you take notes, it allows you to go back and read the notes later, maybe in the week, God will speak something new to you on, on you know, Thursday that maybe you didn't even get on Sunday. So that's why we like to write some things down. And so if you're taking notes or texting some, some stuff to yourself, I've entitled this message, The Mad and the Bad. The Mad and the Bad. What I wanna do uh, for the next 32 minutes and 50 seconds is I wanna talk to you about um, living through mad days and bad days. Anyone ever lived through mad days? Anyone ever lived through some bad days? Anyone currently in mad days and bad days, right? A lot of us are. And we, we all know what that feels like. And, and so I feel like I, I wanna talk to us as we close out this series this Sunday, um, how to navigate, how, how can I emotionally str find strength and get through the, the madness and the badness that comes at us sometimes in the world? We can't escape it. It's coming. If, if it hasn't hit you thus far, which I'm willing to believe we all have had moments, but if it hasn't hit you yet, it probably will. And so let's make sure we prepare ourselves so that we can navigate it as best we can, amen? Let's pray and we're gonna jump into it. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it shapes us, transforms us. It is sharp, straight to the heart sharp. So God, I pray that we would not just be hearers only today. Lord, let us be doers of your word. Let us receive something. And God, I pray today that you would minister, as we already said, minister to people. God, minister to people at Orange Park, minister at people at Julington Creek, Midtown, Amelia Island, and here at the arena, and anyone watching online, God, minister to us wherever we're at this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You know, over the last couple of weeks, this pastor has been preaching, and we've been talking about... Um, Mad World, we, we, we talked about how all you gotta do is look no further than you know, your local 11 p.m. news network to see all the madness, right? Like if, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a consistent 11 p.m. news watcher and then you go to bed, you're probably always going to bed depressed. There's nothing good at 11 p.m. news. It's just the city's awful, it's everything. Schools are awful, economy's awful, jobs are awful, world is awful, terrorism everywhere. It's, it's horrible, right? It's, it's, it's mad, madness. A lot of bad stuff. I just wrote some things down, you know, over the last several months. This is what we've been seeing in the media, right? We've been seeing things about refugees 
in the Middle East, displaced people don't have a home anymore. We, we've seen terrorist attacks in Europe. We've seen stuff about North Korea and racism all over the, the world. Economic uncertainty, right? The United Kingdom, Brexit, all this kind of stuff. You know, threats of war and strife. You know, the Bible says, and we've read this in this series already with Pastor, but in Matthew 24 and 6, it says, in the last days, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Sounds like CNN. Sounds like Fox News, MSNBC, whatever you watch. Like that's, it's wars and rumors of wars, but look what it says. See to it that you're not alarmed. In other words, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you should never be surprised. Amen. Right? Jesus says, hey, it's gonna get bad before it gets better. It's gonna get worse. But, but here's what it also says. As the world gets darker and darker, the church of Jesus Christ gets brighter and brighter and brighter. <laughs> see, see, truthfully, a mad world, that's good business for the church. The, the madder and crazier the world gets, the church has the opportunity to get brighter and brighter, right? And all you gotta do is look around. This is what we've been flooded with, madness, bad times, right? And even this past September, I thought about this, we, we passed the 15-year anniversary of the attacks on 9-11, right? And that, that was a moment in history, right? If you were old enough, you will forever remember where you were on the morning of September the 11th, 2001, right? Some of us in the audience today, you, you, you remember where you were when Kennedy was shot. You remember where you were for some of these, these big moments in history. I remember where I was that day in September. I was in high school still, and I was in second period, and, and I remember our teachers coming in and turning on the televisions, and we're all watching this, and it's like, this is a movie, right? This, is, this doesn't happen, especially in America. This, this doesn't happen, and, and I remember, right? It's, it's madness. It's bad times, and, and if you were affected, I just used that one scenario as, as a simple example, but, but on that day in September, if you were affected, and understand this, right, like, like the whole nation, yes, was affected, the world was affected, but no, 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 if you were personally affected, like if it was your mom, if it was your dad, if it hit you in a personal way, you might even say, you know what, that day, worst day of my life. Worst day of my life. I, I think if we were all to maybe take a minute to examine our lives thus far, you could probably find at least one day that was pretty bad. At least one day that you would say, man, that was, a, that, that was tough. Maybe even the worst day of your life. I, I wrote some things down just for the sake of example. Maybe it was when a doctor gave you a report of cancer or a loved one. By the way, I've had that report before. I remember being a junior in, in high school and a doctor looking me in my face and saying, Clay, cancer, right? I, I, I know what that feels like. Maybe it was when someone in your life passed away. And, uh, and, and you've walked through a difficult moment. Maybe it was when you lost your job or when your parents got divorced or maybe even when you yourself had to walk through a, a divorce and a separation. Maybe when someone betrayed you or did you wrong, when some type of tragedy happened to you and your family. We, we could probably file moments like that under, man, that was the worst day of my life. And so here's what I wanna say to us. We know how difficult those moments are. We know how tough those moments are to, to navigate, and, and I don't mean to be somber. I promise we're gonna, we're gonna pick it up and we're gonna find hope in the end of this, but, but here's the deal. Um, knowing that we have experienced those thus far in life, those moments, the, the odds of nothing bad ever happening to you again as long as you live are extremely low. So knowing that we have had moments like that and that unfortunately we will probably have more moments of tough days and tragedy ahead of us, necessarily no fault to of our own. We live in a fallen world with flawed human beings and, and, and sometimes life is just nasty and it's messy and, and you didn't do anything to deserve it, but yet here it is. And so knowing that we might have to walk 
through some of it again in the future, the question becomes, how then do we navigate the worst day of our life? What do we do when tragedy and madness and bad times strike, right? I, I believe 1 Samuel chapter 30, as we examine the story of David, it can help bring some encouragement to those of us who might currently be in that difficult moment right now. If you're not in the difficult moment right now, write it down because it might come some point in the future, right? So let me give you some background as you look back in your Bible at 1 Samuel chapter 30. The Bible said, we're here in the Old Testament. Uh, the worst day, I would imagine, of David's life would be this particular day in chapter 30 at his hometown in Ziklag. Let me paint the picture for you. The Bible tells us that David has now been on the run, right? He, he was anointed as king, not yet appointed, but anointed. And, and the Bible says, King Saul, well, he's not a fan of this idea. And so he's attacking David and he's trying to kill David. So David and a few good friends, they, they flee the castle, flee the kingdom. They're now on the run, living in caves, right? Just, just fleeing for their lives. And, and they kind of posted their family up in this town called Ziklag. Like, hey, honey, you and the kids, you stay here, me and the guys, because we, we gotta go, right? Like, we're, he's trying to kill us, we, we gotta go. And, and so a moment finally comes though, where maybe they're able to catch a breather, and they're like, oh, we got a few days. We, we, can, we can head back home. I think we're, we're okay now. Let's head back home for a couple days. Let's see our wives. Let's see our kids. Let's, let, let's see everyone you know, before we have to head out. And, and upon arriving back home, after being on the run for your life for days and weeks and months, on arriving home, they find that their families have been kidnapped. Their houses are burned to the ground. All of their belongings have been taken and stolen. All their livestock and herds and cattle, all gone, right? You, have you ever heard the old adage, when it rains, it pours? You ever felt that in your life? When it rains, it pours. I would imagine David comes to see all this on this day at Ziklag, and he's probably looking up at God saying, God, really? Like, are you serious? God, you say, I'm, just, I'm just trying to serve you. I'm just trying to be a good believer. I didn't ask to be king. God, you made me king, and now I'm on the run, and I come home, I'm trying to get a rest, I'm trying to see my family, and I walk into this? Are you serious? You ever felt like that? Uh, side note, God is not freaking out in heaven because you're praying tough prayers. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes that's what prayer is sometimes. Sometimes it's you just yelling and chucking stuff up to God. Are you serious? God's okay, he can handle that. He's a big boy, right? Sometimes that's just how we, we come to him, right? I would imagine this is the worst day of David's life, right? But the scripture shows us how David handled this moment. I, I can't even imagine coming home and everything, including your family, is completely gone. But scripture says he did four things that I wanna show us today. And I pray there'll be an encouragement to you. I pray the Holy Spirit ministers to you if you're currently walking through this. So let's write this down. Number one, the first thing he did is he wept. He wept. In fact, the Bible says that David and his men literally all wept until they could weep no more. You ever been there? Have you ever cried all your tears to where you literally have no water left coming out of your eyes. He, he wept until he could not weep anymore. You see, church, watch this. Just because you have strong faith does not mean that your emotions won't still be shaken when tragedy strikes. <laughs> faith, right? I'm glad we have faith, but faith does not escape me from tragedy. Faith does not escape me from, from raw emotions. And here's what I wanna say. It's okay to weep. 
It's okay. I have seen some believers who are just living in denial and it's almost like, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna weep. I'm not even gonna allow this to affect me. I'm not gonna, no, no, that's ridiculous. It's okay to weep. In fact, it's good for your emotions at times just to release. You, you just need to have that moment. You just need to get it out. And the Bible says David sits under a tree and he weeps until he could weep no more. Well, how long can I cry? I don't know, as long as it takes, right? How long am I allowed to feel these emotions because I'm feeling them? I don't know. The Bible doesn't even tell us how long David sat there. Maybe it was a few hours. Maybe it was days. I don't, I don't know. But it's okay to weep. It's okay to have that moment. The Bible says the greatest men in Scripture, Abraham wept, Joseph wept, Hezekiah wept, Paul, even Jesus wept, right? You see, watch this, church. Write this down. Faith is not denial of the present. Faith is not saying, well, I'm a super Christian, so I refuse to accept, I refuse to believe this tragedy is happening. No, it's happening whether you want it to happen or not, right? Faith is not denial. Faith is recognizing the present with expectancy for a better future. Faith is saying, you know what? I realize what's happening. Boy, it's mad right now, and it's bad right now, and it's tough right now, and this is, this is the worst day of my life. I'm recognizing the present, but I believe with an expectant heart that God can transform my future and that this day does not have to last forever and ever and ever. As tough as it is, God's gonna lead me out. Sometimes when you're in the moment, you, you feel like I'm never gonna get out. Isn't that right? Sometimes you feel like this is, this is gonna last forever. No, 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 God is gonna turn around. Expectancy for a better future. Faith is understanding that what's going on today is happening, but knowing God could change it all tomorrow, right? Watch this though, even though it's okay to weep, even though it's good to weep, even though that was the appropriate response for David, I wouldn't have expected him to do anything else. You come home and your family's kidnapped and all your stuff's gone, house burned to the ground. That is an appropriate reaction to what has just happened to him. It's okay to weep, but even though it's okay to weep, watch this, we cannot build a residence in the state of weeping. In other words, I understand you're there now and you had to be there for a little bit, but we can't live there forever. So, so some people, it's like, you know, the, the tragedy, as tough as it was, as difficult as it was, it happened 20 years ago, but you're still living in the weeping. And at some point, David, as tough as that moment was, he had to pick himself back up, I'm willing to bet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because you can't do it by yourself. In, in the tough one, he had to pick himself back up and he had to say, you know what? This may be a tough chapter in the book, but this ain't the end of it. And I'm gonna pick myself back up with the power of God. I'm gonna continue to move forward and all that God has for my life. Because watch this, watch this. Oh, someone needs this right now. God has a plan to prosper you beyond your grief. Someone is grieving in here, even today. Someone at one of our campuses is in a moment of grief, but the word of the Lord for you today is God has a plan to prosper you beyond your grief. It's okay to weep. It's okay, you, you take a minute, you take a few days, you take whatever you need, you, you, you take that time, but we're not gonna live there forever. Look what it says in Psalm uh, six, or 84, six. Psalm 84, six. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through, someone say walk. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it'll become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. Church, there is a difference between living in the valley of weeping and walking through the valley of weeping. We're all gonna walk through it. It's the unfortunate thing about life sometimes. We're all gonna walk through it, but we're not called to live there. 
God has a plan to prosper you beyond your grief. Number two, the second thing he did is, the Bible says he refused to get bitter. He refused to get bitter. Bible says that uh, David, his men started getting bitter, but David didn't get better. You see, sometimes the tragedy in life, the mad times and the bad times, we almost wanna say, you know what? Well, it's because of them. It's because of that person that this has happened. It's because, and, and them and them and them and them. But here's what you gotta do. In moments like that, you gotta refuse to get bitter. Let, let me help you out with this. Um, you can write this down. Offense, offense is something that happens to you. Offended is the decision you make for yourself. I cannot stop an offense. I cannot stop doing someone doing something mad, crazy, bad. To, I can't stop that, but I can choose how I respond. And, and I can choose not to be offended. Look at your neighbor and say, be unoffendable. Be unoffendable. Right? Come on, how many of you know? Easier said than done sometimes. Be unoffendable. Here, here's what I've known. I'm 32 years old. I have you know, a wife and a kid and I, I don't know everything. I'm still learning a lot. But here's what I've learned. Um, when, when tragedy and mad times and bad time comes and, and we think it's at the hand of someone else that it came and all this kind of stuff, so often we just want to stand around and go, well, it was, it was them. They're the ones. I wouldn't even be in this mess. If, I wouldn't even be in this low point if it wasn't for them and them and them. But here's what I found out. Blaming someone else never changes my circumstances. Ever. And we spend so much energy saying them, 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 all the while nothing is changing. So why don't we not spend energy doing that anymore? Let's refuse to be offended. I'm gonna refuse to be bitter and, and I'm just gonna let the Holy Spirit work on what's currently happening in my life, right? Some people say, well, pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they said about me. You don't understand what they're currently doing to me, let, let me share something with you that helped me a long time ago. It really blessed me. Um, the people throwing rocks are the only ones losing ground. Okay? The people throwing rocks are the only ones losing ground. So what should we do as a believer? Don't throw back. Don't throw back. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes they did me wrong and now I'm in this mess. I'm gonna pick up my rock and we're gonna go, right? Don't act like you and never throw some rocks at some people, so. But the people throwing rocks are the only ones losing ground. I, I refuse to get bitter. I'm not gonna be offended. You see, what happens when you get bitter and you get offended, it does not trap the person who initiated the offense. It traps you. Traps you. Now, now you're trapped in your own offense and you're trapped in your own bitterness. You know, the thing that turns bitter experiences into sweeter experiences, the Bible would say is a wholesome tongue. Well, when you start positively confessing the goodness of God, the promises of God, the faithfulness of who you know God to be and how he works and how he acts and his character. Well, when you can start letting that stuff come out, it can actually turn bitter into sweeter. I'll prove it to you in Proverbs 15 and four. The Bible says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Tree of life. Your tongue has the power to turn bitter into sweeter. Let, let me share with you what I do. Here, here's what I practically do. Maybe this will help some of you. When I feel like I'm starting to get bitter, towards someone, here's what I do. I immediately start praying for them. Because it is really, 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 really hard to hate someone that you're genuinely praying for. It's really, really, you, you start praying for them. Now I'm talking like genuine prayers, not just like, fine, God, don't let them get hit by a bus today, in Jesus' name. So like, no, like genuine 
Come on, genuine prayer. God, I pray that you would bless them increase their family. Lord, I pray that they would be healthy. God, I pray whatever they put their hand to in Jesus' name, it would prosper. Come on, you get the boldness to start praying prayers like that over people who have done you wrong and brought madness and bad. What is all that? Why should I bless them? It's not about blessing them. It's about protecting your own bitterness. I'm gonna protect myself from being offended and that's a practical way that we can protect ourselves, right? David, he refused to get bitter. Number three, he encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. He focused on God and he did not focus on his current circumstances, which were extremely devastating. The Bible says in Acts 26 and verse two, look what Paul says. Paul says in this moment, I think myself happy. You ever thought of it like that? I think myself happy. Church, you know why some of us get depressed sometimes? Because you think yourself depressed. You think yourself depressed. People literally walk around and this is their mentality. I'm not gonna get the job. They're not gonna give me the job. I'm never gonna get the promotion. And uh, God, this marriage is done. They ain't no saving this now. And uh, man, I, you know, God, I got this sickness, but you know, it's probably not gonna get healed. It's gonna take me out. And, uh, and just, and, and honestly, and I know we deal with hard stuff. I know we deal with tough stuff and it's real. And I don't mean to make light of it, but some people, they think themselves depressed. And they're just always thinking the negative. The glass is always half empty, if not fully empty, right? And, but the Bible says, just as you can think yourself depressed, Paul says, I think myself happy. In other words, you have a choice in the midst of tragedy. I can choose to say, you know what? Even in the midst of this low time, I'm gonna dwell on the goodness of God. I'm gonna dwell on the faithfulness of God. I'm gonna dwell on the fact that he is a healer. He is a restorer. He will rebuild this low moment. I think myself Happy, come on, you gotta say it to yourself. You gotta write it on the mirror. I know how you girls do. Put it in lipstick on the mirror before you leave for work in the morning. I think myself happy. I think myself happy, right? I'm a pastor by vocation, but I can promise you this. I preach to myself more than I'll ever preach to you. You gotta learn how to preach to yourself. You gotta learn how to encourage yourself. You gotta learn the power of encouraging yourself because if you are always waiting on a pastor or a church leader to encourage you in every moment of your life, you are set up for, for some rough days. There's rough days ahead because what happens when all hell breaks loose on a Monday and it's still six days to Sunday? We're Stovall Weems then, right? Like, I can't go six days depressed. I can't go six days negative. I can't, I can't go six days defeated. I have to encourage myself. You have to start looking yourself in the mirror and, and, and speaking life over yourself. Yes, pastors can do it and leaders can do it and mentors can do it, but come on, you need to get a revelation. The same God that works in Stovall Weems and Clay Baird and Josh Quite is the same Holy Spirit that's working in you. It's the same Holy Spirit working in you, you gotta encourage yourself. Let, let me paint the picture like this. Anyone know what this is? I'll say it together, one, two, three. It's a wind chime. Anybody's grandma have like 50 of these? Out back, my, my grandma does, right? You're like, grandma, why you have 50 wind chimes? Cause she's deaf and she needs 50, so, um, right? She's my grandma, I can say it, so. Um, it's a wind chime. Some of us have lived long enough to know that seasons of life, some seasons the winds of life are with you and sometimes they're against you, right? 
And boy, when they're with you, boy, that's a good season to be living. You just got the raise, you just got married, you just had that brand new baby, life is good, everything's taken care of. It felt like you took 15 steps this year because the wind was at your back, that's a good year. But some years, it's a headwind. And some years, you're like, it took me 12 months just to take one step, right? But, but, but the thing I love about the wind chime is no matter which way the wind is blowing, the chime only has one response. The chime only knows how to do one thing. If the wind is blowing, the chime starts singing. I think this is a beautiful representation of what the life of a mature believer should be. Whether the wind is at my back or whether the wind is in my face, come on, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. All, all I know how to do is give God praise. All I know how to do is bless the name of the Lord. Now look, I, look, 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 sit down. You're gonna make me preach, sit down, right? Easier said than done sometimes, but you need to get a revelation that he's the God of the mountain, but he's also the God in the valley. And we don't walk through our valleys saying, man, can't wait to get to the mountain when I can see God again. No, he's the God in the valley. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Now that, and that's not something you learn overnight. That's something that has to be cultivated in you because when you're in the midst of tragedy, you feel more like shouting at God than you do blessing God, right? You feel more like, God, you have left me. You have abandoned me. I don't even know if I wanna serve you anymore. Can we just be honest in church today? Can we just act like we can be honest in the church service, right? But, but, but it's in those moments when we gotta say, you know what, Lord, I realize this, that my current circumstance is not indicative of your goodness. And that even though this is low, and even though this is tragic, and even though this is bad, and it's the worst day of my life that I can recall, God, you're still good. And you have a plan to prosper me beyond this moment of grief. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. On October 9th in 2005, um, the Houston Texans, any NFL fans in here today? Any Jags fans in here? Oh, it was like 11 of us, that's amazing. Um, October in 2005, Houston Texans were at home in Houston and the Tennessee Titans were in town and they were playing and, uh, and, and the Houston Texans were just getting blown out, just getting destroyed. And uh, the Titans were just, just working them. And, and the way it goes that day, the way the story goes is that day in the Houston Stadium, um, it was silent, basically silent for three whole quarters. Like not much to cheer about, teams not scoring points, defense horrible, it's just a bad day for Houston football. No one is celebrating. But all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, there, there begin to be pockets of celebration happening all over the stadium. Now the team hasn't scored, they're not doing any better, the, the Texans are still losing, but all of a sudden these pockets of celebration are happening all over the stadium. People are like, well, what, what in the world's going on? You see, what was happening is as the fans were sitting at the Houston Texans stadium, some of them had radios and they were listening to the Astros game that was happening just a few miles down the road. <laughs> and the Houston Astros were in the bottom of the 18th inning and they hit a walk-off home run to beat the Atlanta Braves to go on a World Series run that year in 2005, right? But see, see, here's what I want you to catch in all this. Even in the sight of defeat, they were listening to the sound of victory. Even, even in a moment 
when all they saw was our team is getting destroyed, but they were listening to the sound of victory. If that is not a beautiful illustration for what the life of a believer should be like, then I don't know what is. Is that sometimes you feel like all you're seeing is despair and destruction and low moments and tragedy and mad and bad. But even in the, in the sight of all of that, you can choose to lean your ear towards heaven and welcome in a sound of victory. Understanding that the very thing that you are dealing with right now, as tough and as real as it is, Jesus has already overcome the entire world. Can we be honest? Sometimes that's the only way I can make it through those moments is by choosing to put my ear on another sound than what I can see in front of my face. I put my sound on a sound of heaven, a, a sound that is for me, a sound that's gonna prosper me, a sound that Jesus is not giving up on me, that in the end of this mad world, he is coming back and the madness will fade and the kingdom of peace and righteousness will come. I, I gotta listen, I gotta dwell on, I gotta hear and remind myself of all of that, even in the sight of defeat sometimes. See, I, I'm just, can I help you preach to yourself? This is how we encourage ourselves. David had to do it. Wasn't no one else coming to encourage David as he sat under a tree and cried. His, his, his friends wanted to kill him in that moment because they had lost too. No one was coming. He had to do it himself. You gotta start encouraging yourself, right? As the band comes to join me, the last one is this. The fourth thing we see here is David, he, he got a word from God. He got a word from God. Um, if you grew up in churches like I did, I grew up in very like Pentecostal um, church and, and my dad was a pastor and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, spirit-filled churches and all that. And, um, and, and getting a word from the Lord, like that was, that was like a special thing. And like, it, you know, getting a word from God and sharing words with each other kind of went with the circles of church that we kind of grew up in and stuff like that. And, and if you got it, someone gave you a word from the Lord, you know, at service that day, that was like the best church service ever. You're like, all right, that, that was the icing on the cake. It was good preaching, good worship. And I got a word from somebody, praise Jesus, right? And so, um, good, good day. But, but here's the thing. Some of us, I think, we, we walk through tragic moments and we're like, God, like just send somebody to give me a word. Send somebody, give me some confirmation about just send someone. But here's what I wanna share with you today. If you need a word, get in the word. Because we spend so much time saying, Lord, send someone to give me a word. God's like, I gave you thousands if you'll just pick the book up. When we begin to open up the pages of scripture and we read and not just read and see and hear, but when we apply and we're obedient to what it's asking us to do, all of a sudden, boy, you're getting words and it's encouraging you. It's lifting you up. And, and the Bible says, David got a word from the Lord and, and the word was that he would recover everything, right? We said it in the beginning, everything. He would recover everything. And, and when he got that word, it filled him up with a big vision. Someone say vision. Filled him up with a big vision. And when you're sitting under a tree and everything's falling apart like it was for David, I mean, you're probably like, it's, it's over, this is it. You don't have a big vision in that moment. All of a sudden you get a word from the Lord, you're gonna get it all back and okay. Boy, he, he perked up, let's do it. All right, let's go. Big vision, big vision, there's more to come. All this, right? It fills us up when a, with a big vision when we get a word from God. And, and the best way I think I could maybe describe this and, is this, chickens and eagles. I'm a preacher, just give preachers a second, we'll make anything preach, right? And so, where's he going with this one? Um, chickens and eagles, both birds, both feed on things on the ground, but they go about it in two very different ways. Um, chickens just kind of peck around in the dirt and they're, they're, they're feeding, they're eating and 
all this kind of stuff. And when the chicken picks its head up for, for a second or two, it's really only able to see just a couple steps in front of itself before it's, it's back down again and it's just up and down. And it, but, but the eagle also feeds on things on, on the ground, but it goes about it in a very different way. You see, the eagle's perspective is real big. Its vision is real big. It, it, it sees loads of land and, and, and it's able to see far. And so I kind of wanted to share that with you because watch this, in a moment of tragedy, in a moment of bad times and mad times in our life as we navigate this, you kind of have a choice. You can either have the perspective of the chicken which is so small, such a small vision, such a small perspective, and all you can see is about two steps around you, which if you're honest with yourself, don't look any better than the step you're currently in. And you look and you say, God, I don't even, I, God it's just all bad. I, I, I can't even see a place where I could take a step right now and it'd be good, it's just all bad. And, and, or you can get a word from the Lord, get, encourage yourself, right? Pick yourself back up by the power of the Holy Spirit, all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden it fills you with an eternal perspective, a kingdom perspective, a big vision, and you begin to realize that, look, my current circumstance won't be my forever stance because God is working things out ahead of me. And thank God he's given me a big vision to see that. Because in the past, all I saw was the first couple steps, but now he's given me a big vision to realize that these few steps might not look very good, but he is positioning things out in front of me. And if I can keep a kingdom mindset, if I can keep an eternal longevity perspective, then come on, God is working things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I, I, I like to tell people sometimes, it's like a, it's like a chess match of his faithfulness. And, and, the, and the move, the first couple moves that you have right now don't look like they're gonna get you to win, but God is positioning pieces. And, you're, and all of a sudden you will, you will exit this tragic moment and you'll get to the goodness again and you'll look and say, hold on, the only way he could have done this is if he would have been preparing this way back like this didn't happen overnight. He must've been working on this for a couple years or so. And you start to understand big vision. He's out ahead of me right now. He's with me in this valley, but he is already out ahead of me, putting pieces together. He got a word from God. The last thing I'll say is this, and we'll close and pray. I love what David said when he prayed to God. He said, God, should I even go after these people who took all my stuff. Read it, he, he asked that question, God, should I even? Imagine David in that moment, he, he's tough, it's, it's a tough moment, God, God, should I even, should I even? God, it's been tough, and maybe you're in here today and, and you're asking similar questions. God, this is, I'm not doing this church stuff, I've tried to serve you and it's just not going well, it's not what I thought it would be. Should I even, should I even keep up? Should I keep coming to church? Should I even? put more work in on this marriage? Should I even, I know you called me into this career, God, but it's just not what I thought it was gonna be. Should I even, should I even? And, and all of these things, should I even? And David's asking that. God, should I even? And the Lord responds to him, and perhaps it's the same way that the Lord wants to respond to you today. God responds and he says, yeah, David, you should. Should I even keep going? Should I even chase after the Amalekites? Yeah, David, you should. Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring it all back. Should I even keep putting energy in? Should I even keep my faith up? Should I even stay committed to church life? Should I even start serving? Should I even keep going to that group? Should I even, should I, listen, it's only ever helping you. 
Should I even? And, and maybe the Lord's looking at some of us today and he's like, yeah, yeah, you should. I know it's been tough. I know it's maybe even been unfair. But you stay true to the process and you stay faithful and you stay committed and you stay involved. And, and what the Lord will do is he'll bring everything back. Whatever you feel like you have lost in the tragedy, whatever you, I've lost joy. I've lost love. I have lost friends. God, I have lost money. I have lost time. Listen, if he created it, he can surely resupply it. You should. There's some people in here today and you're still in the weeping phase and that's all right, it's okay. This thing I love about church family is, hey, we're gonna celebrate together, but we'll weep together, right? Some people are still there. Maybe, maybe you still need a little bit longer to, 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 to mourn and be in that phase, and that's okay. The, the, the thing for you is, hey, but we're not gonna live there, okay? God has a plan to prosper you even beyond the tough moment that you're walking through right now, right? Some of us, you, you, you've been bitter and offended for a long, long time. Let's get rid of that. Let's give that up to Jesus. God, God can handle whatever he needs to handle. I'm gonna stop being bitter, right? Some of us, you're gonna walk out of here today and you've been waiting on other people to encourage you, but now you know I gotta encourage myself. And then all of us need to consistently, daily, all the time be in the word because as often as we're in the word, we'll get a word. Lamp unto my feet, light unto my path, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our locations, just a tad over time, I apologize, at all of our locations, Amelia Island, Orange Park, Julington, Midtown, I just wanna pray for people. I'm gonna turn it over to our campus pastors in just a second after I pray and they can lead the rest of this altar moment and close out those location services. But everyone across all of our church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just a quick question. If you're in the middle of tragedy, if you're in the middle of a low point and you're saying, man, this message felt tailor-made for me today and, and God, I need you. I need encouragement in my life. I would love to just pray that the Holy Spirit ministered to you right where you're at. I would just ask on the count of three at all locations that you would just put your hand in the air so I just know who I'm praying for praying for. One, two, three. Go ahead and shoot it up. All locations there with Pastor James and Ian at Orange Park and Pastor Bob and Tony at Julington, Midtown, everyone, just, just everyone's hand. And if that's you, man, I'm in a low place. I need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help me out. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every hand that's lifted. God, I pray that you would minister to them. Lord, I pray, God, that you would show yourself to be the comfort and the peace that they need in this moment. God, do what a, a good pastor, the best of pastors cannot even do what the Holy Spirit can accomplish for them in these moments and in these days that they're living in right now. God, I pray that you would lift the head of the discouraged in Jesus' name. God, that you would bind up the brokenhearted in Jesus' name. God, that those who have been sitting under the tree and weeping, go, Lord, for a long time, that, that you would help them find the strength to stand again, to walk again, to pursue their calling again, Lord, I pray that you would redeem whatever has been lost, whatever has been thrown to the wayside. God, I pray that you would help them recoup and regain, that you would resupply whatever the tragedy has taken away from their life. God, resupply. We trust in you, Jesus. You are our sure foundation, the anchor for our souls in moments of despair, perhaps like the one we're in right now. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together right now. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. 
For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.